Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. But last week I did mention that in this series that we're in, talking about us and relationships, that every week would be a different topic. But in preparation this last week, I had planned on speaking on something else, but the Holy Spirit just kept kept working on me and just saying, no, you need to come back to marriages. No, you need to come back to marriages. So again, I'm going to speak on marriage today again, two weeks in a row. How many believe that marriages are an important topic? Uh, If you don't believe me, look at the statistics to tell you that over 50% will end up in divorce. And that rate goes up exponentially higher in your second marriage, third marriage, and so forth. So again, God has a plan. God has a manual that I've referred to. When you study that manual, when you follow what he's given, it goes well with us. But the sad truth of it is that even in church, the statistic is still the same. It's still 50% of all marriages. And, and I really feel that the reason for that is, is, is people are, are just, they, they hear it. But they're not choosing, as this video was saying, choose love. They're not choosing to, to honor and do the things that God is saying in his word to make your marriage work. Because how many know marriage is work? It's sacrifice. It's putting your spouse before yourself. And that can be very difficult at times. Because this world teaches us and trains us that our world is about me. It's about my happiness. It's about my place. When it, true, the true reality of a biblical marriage is your spouse comes first. Amen? So again, what I want to emphasize this morning is, is our marriages. That we need to understand the fine print. Ever read, a, read something that you sign? There's always fine print associated with it. And if you don't read that fine print, it comes back to bite you, right? It, it, comes back, it comes back to bite you when you didn't realize you were signing a loan that was 29% interest rate. And you're thinking, what did I just sign? You have to read the fine print on everything. Marriage is no different. The fine print is found in the Word of God. Amen. And it's up to you and I to discover what that is. This morning I've titled today's sermon, Us God's perfect plan. You see, all of us have a plan or have ideas on how to do things. Have, have you figured out marriages, married couples, that how you do things is a little bit different than the way God wants you to do things? You saw that video. It says that we shouldn't be easily angered, right? What's that one thing that can set it? When our spouse says something, we just jump out of our skin sometimes and we want to just get back at them. Right When the Bible says the total opposite is, is be humble, be, hold back. That means check yourself, walk out the house if you have to, take a walk around the block, come back, take a deep breath, count to 20 and say, dear, I love you so much. And, and it will go well with you. Sometimes you have to do those types of things, right? I know I've done them because we don't want to say the wrong thing. Because when you say the wrong thing, now, now you've got to do a bunch of repair work. Now you've got to do a bunch of construction work where you didn't have to do that if you had just said the right thing at the very beginning. I want to introduce a little bit of humor at the outset here. For too many people, the subject of marriage is like a three-ring circus. There's, it's like a three-ring circus. First, there's the engagement ring. 
Secondly, there's the wedding ring. And then thirdly, there's suffering. <laughs> one lady, one woman said she got married because she was looking for the ideal. But it quickly turned into an ordeal. And then she began to look for a new deal. <laughs> That's dangerous. And what I'm trying to insinuate here is that people don't often take marriage seriously. They, 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 they don't realize or don't understand the fine print, what it means. They just quickly think that, oh, I'm in love. I feel, I feel these emotions I've never felt. And it's going to be that way forever. Uh, no. Okay? If you, if you haven't realized that, it, it, it can, but you have to work at it. Those, those emotions will carry you so far, but it's your actions. Remember, love is a verb. It's action. What are you doing to keep your marriage strong? It reminds me of a guy. Again, some humor here, okay? So listen. Reminds me of a guy who went to the Super Bowl. And we all know that Super Bowl tickets are not cheap. Okay? He was sitting in this packed stadium. But the seat next to him sat empty. And there was a gentleman behind him that finally was curious. And he said, excuse me, sir, why is that seat empty? Did you want to invite anybody? He goes, oh, that seat was for my wife, he said. She would have been here, but she passed away. And the gentleman said, or he offered his condolences and asked him, well, don't you have a friend that you could have invited and said? And then he said, I do, but all my friends decided to attend the funeral. <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is that some people don't take marriage seriously. They, they, they don't honor it. Now, now, that was just a joke, okay? Just follow me. That's just a joke, man. All right, so don't get any thoughts. Don't get any ideas. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of a, of a serious subject here, but we have to take it seriously. Our marriages are the most important thing outside of your relationship with Christ. Amen? Your marriage. But here's what happens. Many of us take our marriage in the same vein as changing a job. Who here has changed a job more than once? More than twice? I'm keeping my hand up. More than three times? Raise your hand. More than four times? Raise your hand. That's me. But you know how easy it can be to change a job? It, it can become very easy. And if we're not careful, we can treat our marriages the same way. And, well, I'll just go on to somebody that treats me better. Well, marriage isn't just about somebody that treats you better. It's much deeper than that. It's a covenant. Remember that word last week? We discovered it's a covenant between you and your spouse and God Almighty. Amen? Statistics, again, remind us that over 50% of marriages will end in divorce. But yours doesn't have to be a statistic. It does not have to be a statistic. It takes both of you to understand that. If one of you understands that and the other one doesn't, things can become very difficult. How many know that? The Bible talks about do not be unequally yoked. If you're a believer and you're single here today, you should be pursuing another believer, someone who has faith in Jesus Christ. If you're pursuing that other person who you know is not even a believer, you're already outside of God's will. So if you're expecting God's blessing upon your relationship, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but it's not going to happen. Amen? God clearly gave us warnings on what 
and how we're supposed to seek a relationship. Amen. Half of us who made that promise until death do us part never get there. Amen. That's a serious thing when half of us never get there. And, you know, one of the, one of the sad things, in my opinion, is that we don't have remorse for it. Have you ever thought that remorse, well, feeling bad internally for that breakup of that marriage? Some of us just go on, or there's people that will just go on, and uh, they get over it in five minutes. It shouldn't be that way. When God has brought you two together, there, it should be like a death. It really should be. It should be that it affects you spiritually, mentally, physically when something like that happens. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen? We have to understand the nature of the agreement that we have in God's word with, with ourselves and God when he gives us a spouse. When he gives us someone and brings that person into our life. We have to begin to view it as God sees it in his word. Then we will be able to have those blessings he has for us in our life. I, I want you to stand with me this morning as I read the sermon text. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to have it up on the screen for you as well. Ephesians chapter 5 and starting in verse 21. This is known as the, the marriage chapter. Um, if you have not read it in a while, let me refresh your memories. Uh, because it's generally speaking to the men, but also to the women here. Starting in verse 21, it says the following. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your precious word. Lord, help us to have a deeper understanding this morning of how we are supposed to fill those roles, fulfill those roles, Lord, in your scripture. I pray for every man here, every woman here, that you would give them an ear to hear what your word says, Lord, that we can become doers of your word and not just hearers only. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon every relationship, every marriage here today. In your precious name we pray, amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him God loves you this morning. God loves you. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You may be seated. Amen. You know, at the outset here, I had asked a couple of people if they would come up this morning and just share 
um, on their marriage. And I want to ask our newlywed couple, let's give a hand to Ruben and Lori Mendez as they come up here this morning. Just right down here. Just right here. And we're going to start with Lori first. We want to get this way away from that speaker. Oh, we'll start with Ruben? Okay. Ruben, um, as you guys look out towards the audience, how long have you been married now? You two. Well. <laughs> no, how long? <laughs> Lori, how long have you been married? Like six months. Like, yeah, six months. Thank you. How long have you two known each other? Like five years. Five years, huh? Six years. Six years. Okay. <laughs> so give him a big hand. Exactly. Amen. I'm proud of the both of them, proud of my brother, obviously, proud of Lori, uh, my sister-in-law. But uh, Ruben, why don't you share, what does marriage mean to you now, uh, having gotten married at a mature age now? Yes. Yes. What does marriage mean to you now? Well, I finally found somebody that I could spend the rest of my life with. Let's turn um, that way, because it's going to get feedback. Um, so... I know marriage is not going to be easy, but marriage is a lot of work, but I know that we could make it work, you know, and, and uh, I love this woman with all my heart, so Amen. It's, it's going to be easy, you know, I mean, I know I don't have to, it's going to be easy, you know, <laughs> oh. well, we're going to make it easy. Yeah. Amen. No, we- yeah. Amen. Give my hand. How about you, Lori? Well, what what makes marriage special for you? Well, we we make it easy for each other because we do have that respect for each other and love for each other, and we care deeply about I care deeply about his children, and he cares deeply about mine and our Amen. grandkids. Amen. And um, I think the first time Ruben and I actually met, because our daughters were best friends. Um, my daughter was, she was sick with cancer, and Reuben asked if he could pray for her. And um, I knew then that I was going to marry him. <laughs> yes. But um, I have nothing but respect for him, and I would never do anything to hurt him. And when I do, I. I ask for his forgiveness and tell him I'm sorry and that that's just that's not how I think I think a marriage works with respect Amen Amen let's give her a big hand thank you too thank you too thank you they they both hit on a couple of key words there that we're going to get into this morning but I'm, I'm thankful for my brother who's very happy my sister-in-law Lori who's very happy and they said, you know, it's, it's going to be easy because they were both working at it. It can be easy when you both work at it. It becomes very difficult when one or both choose not to work at it. It becomes extremely difficult. So don't ever forget what you just said up here because it will be recorded on SoundCloud if you ever want to go back and have one or the other hear it. Amen? So this morning on your outline, I have a few points that I want to talk about. Number one, the role in Ephesians 5 what we just read, it makes us attractive to our spouse and causes them to open their hearts to us. Men, this chapter was talking to you. Do you know why it was talking to you men? Because you men are the spiritual leaders of your home. It's not your wife. It's not 
it's not your children. Gentlemen, that job falls upon you as the spiritual leader of your home. So the question I have for you this morning is, what's the number one need of a man? Well, contrary to popular opinion, women, it isn't sex, okay? You knew I was going to say that, all right? For some, for some men, it may, it may be, for some, you know, but for the majority of men, it's not that topic. Some of you may think that, but the number one me, a need for men was expressed up here by Lori. It's respect. Yes. It's respect. Every man at the end of the day wants to be respected by his wife and by, his, by others. And it starts with his spouse. If you respect, ladies, if you respect your husband, it will go very well with you. But it's a two-way street, right? He deserves that respect because he cherishes you as well. And let's go to the, the women. Women, the number one need for most women, and these are from polls garnered over the years, statistics. They, they never change. They never change. Women, their number one need is affirmation, to feel loved. To feel cherished. When they feel affirmed by their husband, they feel empowered. They feel that their marriage is going in a good place. So men, make sure you're affirming your spouse. And, and this sermon this morning isn't just for you married couples. I'm speaking to singles here today. If you're single here today, this is what your future husband, future wife should look like. And if not... You need to check yourself and make sure you're doing it biblically. Amen? So again, the women need to have affirmation, to feel loved. Amen? Let me read a scripture to you. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says the following. You don't need to turn there. But it says this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them, talking about the husbands, do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now that was directed at the women. And, and hear me, ladies, men, it's not saying that they're supposed to call you Lord, okay, or Master. It's not saying that. Thank God, Amen. In this instance, Sarah did call Abraham her Lord, her master at that, at that point. That was an ultimate sign of respect. That's really what it's saying there is respect your spouse. Amen. But did you catch what Peter was saying here? That women, that you can change your husbands without saying a word. You can change your husband without saying a word. It's saying that respect is the most powerful need of a man. When he is respected, let me tell you, your man will be willing to do anything for you. I promise you that, ladies. There was a study that I'm going to share with a couple of studies here. Done, and it asked women this question. When is your husband most attractive? They asked these women, when is your husband most attractive? 
And the majority of women said this, and I think it came out last night too, when he is doing housework. When he's doing housework, the majority of women found their husband the most attractive. It wasn't when he was all dressed up, looking like Mr. GQ, uh, Rico Suave. No, no, no. When he was wearing that cologne, when he got that fresh cut, it was nothing like that. It was when he was doing housework. There was secondly another study on the effects of male sweat on women. So these researchers told the women, unsuspecting women, this was a household product, and they dabbed it on the upper lip of women. It was actually male sweat. And they asked them what they began to feel, the emotions they began to feel, if any. The majority of women expressed three things, common things. They said they began to feel relaxed, they began to feel happy, and they began to feel romantic. Men, did you catch that? So here's my interpretation. Men, we are just a clean house from the night of your dreams. That's what's happening. You're just a clean house away from the night of your dreams. If you're not doing housework, how many women want your man to be doing housework? Amen? That, that would help out. Amen? What God tells us in his word makes us more attractive to our spouse. See, the world doesn't have a clue. The world has no clue. We would think that if, if, if it was all about looks, that Hollywood would have every great marriage there is. But it's the exact opposite. We have the clues right here in the fine print. If you begin to follow these, and you'll see blessings upon your marriage and your relationships. God tells us in his word what makes us more attractive to our spouse. Point number two, the roles in Ephesians 5 release the potential in your spouse. Everyone say the word potential. Potential. Every one of you, I don't care how young you are, to the most mature person in here, still have potential. You have potential. It's a God-given gift inside of every one of you. But Ephesians 5 is commanding us men, men, that you are to work on releasing that potential in your spouse. You're to build her up, cherish her, encourage her, and that potential will begin to flow out from her. Amen? Have you, have you men partnered with God to help your wife reach her potential? Have you ever looked at that in that thought, in that way? Or have you just said, well, that's her job. That's her job. God has tasked you men to help her in fulfilling that purpose in her life. What is your wife's passion? Are you encouraging her to do that? Are you encouraging her to step out and explore that and to grow in Christ? We're not only to lay down our lives for her. Remember last week I mentioned we're supposed to be an open book, men, and we should even be willing to lay down our life for our wife. But not only are we supposed to do that, but we're, we're, we're supposed to lay down our life because we've received the most wonderful gift to us outside of salvation. And that is your spouse this morning. Tap your spouse right now and tell them you are the most wonderful gift I've received. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians Chapter 11 says the following, Men are the glory of God, but women are the glory of men. Let me say that again. Men are the glory of God, but women are the glory of men. If there's no glory, men, you better check yourself. Check that spirit. What are you doing? What are you not doing? Amen? Men, this is what it's saying. Men reflect the character of God they choose, of the God they choose, but women reflect the character of the husband they choose. 
Amen? It comes out. It's drawn out. So going back to marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. Again, it's a relationship. It's a, it's a bond between you and your spouse. And it's a covenant union designed to strengthen the capability of each partner to carry out the plan of God in your life. That's what a covenant is based for or is set for in your marriage, in your relationship. Listen to this. You cannot leave God at the altar and expect to have a thriving marriage. You cannot expect to have said your vows in the presence of God, in the, in the witnesses around you, and then leave God there at that altar and expect God's blessings to flow in your life. It does not work that way. You have to take God from that altar into the rest of your life. Amen? God must join you in your home. God must join you in your workplace. God must join you at the gym. Wherever it is you go, you carry God. When you begin to do that, you will receive those blessings with your spouse. Amen? When you abide by His authority, your marriage won't be a statistic. Amen? But rather, it will be a tool used by God to impact other people. I, I certainly hope that my marriage with Anna impacts each of you here in this church that we have learned to grow and, and forgive each other when we need to and, and to grow and mature in Christ. And I certainly hope that you have seen something in us that can inspire you to, to want to have the same thing. Now, do I have a perfect marriage? No. And if you were there yesterday, you, you heard a little glimpse of it because <laughs> we were just being real, sharing stuff. But the important thing is we know how to handle it. In other words, we know what our responses should be. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. It's when we don't do those things. It's when we let them fester. We, we hurt our spouse and we don't go to them and say, I need you to forgive me. I'm sorry for what I said. When we don't do that and then they begin to get a little bit bitter and then they begin to get a little bit more upset and more upset and now it's your second night on the couch man then it's your third night on the couch man it's not a pretty picture when it could have been resolved if you would have followed scripture which says do not let the sun go down on your wrath amen how many follow that to this day you fix things you work things out that's the best advice I could ever give you married couples work things out do not let the sun go down on your wrath amen Amen. Here's uh, another point here. Um, is, uh, here's another story I want to share. Another story, okay? A little humorous, but at the same time, I'm trying to prove a point here. This is a story about a, an island that uh, Johnny Lingo was a man that lived on this island. How many have heard this story before? Heard the story about Johnny Lingo? He was a single man. And if you wanted to marry a woman on this island, you had to pay the father with cows, and that was a well-known fact. And the record for cows given up to this time was four cows. There was a man that had paid four cows for a woman. So one day, um, there was another man named Moko. Moko. He was an evil man. Evil man. But he had a, a daughter named Mahalo. Mahalo. Everybody say Mahalo. Her hair was a mess. She was unkept. The, the, the father would not allow her to take care of herself. The father was an evil man. He, he would abuse and, and hurt his, his kids. But one day, Johnny Lingo came and knocked on their door. And he said, Mahalo, uh, uh, Moko, I want to marry your daughter, Mahalo. 
And he looked at him, you want to marry my daughter, Mahalo? And so Moko's hoping he could get at least one cow for her. And Johnny Lingo says, I want to give you eight cows for Mahalo. And he said, eight cows? He goes, yes, I have them right out here. And he showed him the eight cows. And that day, Moko became one of the richest men on the island. And he gave his daughter to Johnny Lingo to marry. So the story goes that over time, it really bothered the father, Moko, why he had received eight cows. Why Johnny Lingo offered him eight cows when he would have given his daughter for one cow. And it bothered him so much that one day he went across the island to go ask Johnny Lingo. So he drove across the island and he knocked on the door. And now came this beautiful woman with beautiful dark hair, flowers in her hair, in a gorgeous white dress. And she said, hello, daddy. And he did not recognize his own daughter anymore. And he said, I'm here to speak to Johnny Lingo. Can you get him? And then he came to the door and he said, Johnny, this question has been bothering me for two years now. I need to ask you, why did you pay me eight cows for Mahalo when you could have had her for one cow? And he looked at him and said, I've always wanted an eight-cow wife. I've wanted an eight-cow wife. And he goes, that's it? And so he walked away. But, but listen to this. So, so Johnny, he later told one of his friends that one day the most important thing in my life is that for Mahalo to wake up every day and know that she is the most valuable woman on this island, that he would cherish her, that he would love her, that he would be by her side. And that was the most important thing to him. And because he did that, God blossomed her into that beautiful woman that he always desired. Men, I'm talking to you this morning. You are that Johnny Lingo this morning. That's how we need to look at our spouses don't look at them as a one-cow woman now. You're going to look at your woman there. They're eight-cow women right now. Or even better, some of your women in here are much better than eight-cow women. Let me tell you that. I've got a better than an eight-cow woman. And you know what? We need to treasure them that way. We need to treasure them always. Amen? Amen. And, and the women said? Amen. Yes, that was even louder. We as men are mandated by God, by God's word to cherish to encourage, nourish our wife. We are to love our wife. That means sacrificing ourselves, our rights, and giving them the rights. Amen? That we lift up our spouse. And what happens is it's an amazing God, God-given thing that when you lift up your spouse and cherish her, your marriage flourishes because now it's operating the way God designed it. Amen? Ladies, don't ever, ever sell yourself short. Don't ever sell yourself short. And I'm talking to the, the single ladies here today, those that are looking forward, you men that are looking forward to a relationship. Don't sell yourself short. Don't settle. Amen? You are valuable in God's eyes. God does have someone for you. He has an eight-cow man for you. He has an eight-cow woman for you or greater. Amen? Don't ever settle. A good husband is a nourisher. A good wife is an encourager, is a cheerleader. How can you respect your husband? Encourage him. Encourage him. Don't, don't yell at him. Don't diss on him. 
Encourage him and see what happens. Men, cherish your wife. Love her. Respect her as well. Amen? And then let's go to point number three here. And we're, gonna, we're quickly going through this. The role in Ephesians 5 disable our sin natures and keeps them from destroying our marriage. That's so important because when we read Ephesians 5, notice how all the things, if we're operating in love, it casts out fear, it casts out all these things, that anger that would come naturally to us. We, rather than respond in an angry way to maybe a comment your spouse may say, you catch yourself and you say, Okay, Lord, in this moment, you've given me grace, and I choose not to respond back in the same way, but I choose to respond in a kind way. And all of a sudden, guess what? You just diffuse that whole situation, and five minutes later, your spouse comes back in that room and says, I'm sorry, I never should have said that. But on the flip side, if you respond in the same manner, guess what happens? Somebody's going to be sleeping on the couch. (laughs) Somebody's going to be sleeping out in the living room, right? That, that's where it could lead to. So it could easily be diffused. Let me take you back to Adam and Eve. Book of Genesis, chapter, chapter 2, I believe it was. But I want to talk to you about, you both know that they sinned in the garden. They both had issues, but they were different. The man and the, wo- the woman, they both had issues, even back then. Let me tell you about the woman's issues. They were disobedience, both of them in this case. But the woman issues were independence. Now hear me out, ladies. I'm not saying it's wrong to think independently and make your own choice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about independent-minded women here. Making decisions without involving their husbands when it comes to important things here. Hear me out. Remember the serpent? He knew this. And he tempted Eve. He tempted Eve. He went straight to Eve. He didn't go to Adam. He went straight to Eve and he tempted her and she sinned and partook. Remember, she ate of the fruit of the tree. The Bible says that she didn't ask Adam. She didn't say, Adam, Adam what do you think? Should we, should we make this purchase, this $500,000 purchase on this? She just said, let's do it. She just said, let's do it. And she partook of that tree. The men's issues are apathy. You know what apathy is? It's when you sit back and do nothing. Sit back and do nothing. See, here's, the, here's how I know that. In Genesis, when the serpent tempted, tempted Eve, Adam was right there. How do I know Adam was right there? Because Eve bit of the fruit and then turned and gave it to Adam. That's how I know he was there. See, the, the, the Bible says that God told the man, I want you to take dominion over everything in this world and over every creeping thing. Remember that when he said that? He said, take dominion. You have authority over it. But what did Adam do when that creepy thing came into the garden? He did nothing. He stood back. He didn't assume his spiritual leadership authority in that case. And sin happened. Sin took place. He was apathetic. He didn't do anything. Amen. We have to be careful, men, of being apathetic and just standing back and watching Everything take place. We have to step up and assume our spiritual leadership role. Amen? And men, that's up to you to do that. Ephesians chapter 5 speaks twice as much to men as it does to women. And I believe that that's why a marriage, if you follow that, that's the fine print. 
That's the fine print I was talking about earlier. When you follow those instructions in Ephesians chapter 5, men, your marriage will go well with you. Listen to those words. Go back and read that chapter, starting in verse 21, later. Listen to this sermon later on, on SoundCloud.com. You can hear it and, and listen to it again. Let it apply to your wife and, and yourself. Amen? Speak, it speaks twice as much to men as it does to women. But even though it speaks to men twice as much, we're still a team. I can't do my job as a man without my wife. My wife can't be the good wife she can be without me. Amen. We're still together as a team. Amen. Amen. In closing this morning, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, men, this morning, let's start with you. Are you willing to lay your life down for her today? Are you willing to lay, to give all for your wife? Amen. I want you to ask yourself that in your mind. Will you choose not to be apathetic and choose to take that leadership role of spiritual authority in your household? Will you choose to do that today? Will you choose to cherish her? Maybe some of you repeated those words when you were married that you will cherish her, that you'll uphold her, that you'll encourage her, that you'll love her. That may have been one of the terms you used. Are you still willing to do it here today, five years later, 15 years later? 25 years later, 35 years later. Will you choose to fulfill the God-given role of spiritual leader of your home? And women, will you choose not to be negative and say hurtful things and choose to be respectful to your husband? Again, none of us here are perfect. Women, you aren't perfect. Men, you aren't perfect. We each need each other to fulfill the role of husband and wife. Only you can do I believe 100% with all I have, with all I am, that each of you that are married, God gave you specifically to that person. And only you can be that husband. Nobody else can be as good a husband as you can. Nobody else can be as good a wife as you can to your man. Nobody. You can, though, when you follow the biblical principles. Amen? And here, one last thing for you single women this morning. I want to share some wisdom with you this morning. Before the fall, Adam was able to walk and talk with God in the way two friends can converse. During those talks, God made his will clear to Adam. Among the topics he discussed was work. In the second chapter of Genesis, God placed Adam in a garden. And he, asked, he told him, he said, I want you to take care of this garden. I want you to manage it, your garden. Take care of it. God gave Adam lessons about work and following instructions even before he created a mate for him. So the lesson for for you women and men as well that may be single here today is this. When you women consider a man for marriage, they need to remember and you need to remember that before Adam... Before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him responsibility. If the man you meet has no job, he shouldn't have you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen? If the man you meet is allergic to work, you have to be allergic to him. Amen? Amen. God, God even says in his word, if a man refuses the work, he shouldn't eat. Amen? He shouldn't eat. 
That's right out of the Bible, right out of God's word. However, a true godly man must not only be a hard worker, but he must be willing to lay down his life for his spouse. Amen. Men, I'm challenging you this morning to do that if you've not yet done that. God has a perfect plan found in his word. It's found in there for each of you here today. If you're single or married today, this plan applies to you. It's a perfect plan. It's God's perfect plan for you. It has not changed one bit. It hasn't changed. It didn't change in 2010. It didn't change in 2017. It's the same plan that's existed for, for thousands of years. And it still applies to you and I. And this morning, I know in my heart that each of you men, women here today that have heard this message are going to do your best to make sure that that covenant that you have together with your spouse will continue to flourish for the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, and into eternity. Amen.